Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. You may be seated in the name of the Lord, feeling the favor, feeling the favor. If I can draw your attention to verse number 10, where it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Truly, I'm telling you, I haven't seen anybody amongst God's people that has faith like this. Why do you believe? Why do you believe? I, I think it's an important question to ask ourselves consistently. What do you believe? We're in church. You're watching a service. You're in tune through your phone or through your your, your television or however you're watching, you all got up this morning and came down to the house of God. What do you believe? And, and connected to it is what do you know? What do you know? When I think back on my childhood, I, 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 I remember how easy it was to believe stuff. Just so many things I believe. I believed in the tooth fairy. I believed in Santa Claus. I believed that if I stepped on a crack, I'd break my mama's back. I remember avoiding cracks. I remember in my mind thinking that that can't possibly. I remember avoiding cracks and then stepping on a crack and running in the house to make sure my mama's back was not broke. It was easy to believe things. Saw something scary, it was easy to believe in it. It was easy to believe in Candyman. It was easy to believe in Freddy Krueger. It was easy to believe in Dracula. I needed the lights on. I needed the door open. I needed the closet door shut. As a child, faith was easy. Belief was easy. As I matured, I got away from faith being so easy, and I started to ask myself, well, what do I know? What do I know? And my knowledge began to be something that I started to really put a great deal of emphasis on. I wanted to know what I knew. Once the, the, once uh, I, I lost my, once I, I got to the place where I'm not a child anymore and puberty broke and all of that happened, then I really wanted to know what I knew. I saw the world in a different way. <laughs> saw myself in a different way and my knowledge began to be something that became very important to me. And for a while, I was almost more focused on what I knew than what I believed. But as I matured, out of being a teenager, I realized a very valuable truth. 
And it's something I want us to think about a little bit, which is why I'm starting my, my presentation with these questions. And that is that knowledge should strengthen belief, and belief should strengthen knowledge. They ought to strengthen one another. For some reason, we are forced. I, I don't know if it's by a spirit, by the enemy, by the world. It's almost as if our technological advancement wants to force us to make an either-or choice of knowledge or belief. In a sense, if you think about it, the advancement of our technology, in my estimation, should just make us even stronger believers. For some reason, the advancement of our technology has given us almost more of a perspective of, well, I want to know it more than, well, I want to believe this. But if we think about it, if you had said to me in the 80s, everybody that was thinking in the 80s, some of y'all weren't even here yet in the 80s, but if you had said to me in the 80s that you would come into a room like this and in the room would be video that you couldn't see. That we would get to a place where everybody would have a phone. My God, in the 80s, the only phone was the phone on the wall with the long cord that you went down into the basement. There was no texting. There was no social media. There was no Instagram. There was no videos. In the 80s, Blockbuster was just, VHS was just getting here. In the 80s, you had a cassette tape. Please, somebody talk to me. You had a cassette tape. You had to rewind it. In the 80s, you didn't have a remote control. In the 80s, you had an antenna on the back of your TV that broke off in the 80s. And you used to put a wire hanger back there in the 80s. If you had told me that they were going to come up with something called an iPod. Where thousands of songs would be on this one thing digitally. Every song you ever would have thought of could have been on this one little thing. If you had told me that. I would have said, there's no way. And if I had said to you, what did y'all do with it? And you said, we got rid of it. We threw it away. Don't even care about it. Now, we're listening to music through our phones. And if you had told me that, it, it would have taken faith for me to believe that the, that the technology would advance to a place of something I could not imagine. I could not fathom. One of the things that's a marvel to me in, in humanity is how convinced we can become of something in such a short time. Right. Right. 
We talk like we know. It so quickly. So quick. It doesn't take almost no time at all for us to think we know a thing and let belief go. There, there's things that we accept now as knowledge that are not old. In the early 1800s, a guy, an English scientist, decided as a result of understanding the process of natural selection, decided to, to pose a theory of evolution that we now pretty much consider as a fact. We pretty much consider this as something that we know, that we came from monkeys. We pretty much have decided that we know that. And I'm sorry, that takes faith. I, I'm sorry that we, we basically have reached a place in which we can be so convinced of our own superiority that if we're not careful, we will let go of a muscle that we have, and that is to believe in something that we don't yet see. But we believe all the time. Our lives require faith consistently. I'm asking, what do you know? I'm asking, what do you believe? I, I'm sorry. I just think it's an important thing for us to ask ourselves. The more aged I become, the more I ask myself, where's my faith at? What kind of faith muscle do I have? What, 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 what am I able to believe? How am I able to believe? Let alone <laughs> having a faith that will amaze God. And this passage, it, it, it in essence says that the centurion had a faith that surprised Jesus. I, I, I want to set a bar for all of us in the room that, that instead of us just clinging to faith or holding on to faith or fighting just to have faith or being determined not to allow the, what the world or the concept or the situation has said, war against our faith, but to actually believe that we can have a faith that will make God say, look at that faith. That will make Jesus say, wow, now that's some faith right there. Now that is a faith that I ain't seen in a while. Can I lay a gauntlet down for you? Can I lay a, a challenge down for you? For you not to have a barely make it faith, but for you to have a faith that's impressive. I speak that. For you not just to have a faith that people will be like, wow, you have some faith. But for people to marvel at your faith. And what's more, for God to be impressed with your ability to believe in him. With God's, with God, uh, moved by your faith level. The centurion had a faith that surprised Jesus. The centurion had a faith that got results. It was a faith that made something happen. It was a faith 
that made his servant be healed at that very hour. I know that's what we want. We want faith that makes something happen right now faith. But not only is this a faith that got results, but it's a faith that inspired favor. It's a faith. It's a faith that made Jesus warn people. It's a faith that made Jesus say, you know what? Y'all better be careful because there's a feast that's about to be laid. And the subject of the, the folk who it was prepared for are not going to be able to partake of it. If you're not careful, then you will find yourself replaced by somebody that has faith. In essence, Jesus is saying, people about to get replaced. Jesus says in this passage, he, he so marvels at the centurion's faith that he says, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. Be, be careful. Take a, take a deep breath and, and stop resting just on the laurels of the fact that your mama or your grandmama or your great-grandma went to church or you from church or you grew up in this or you better be careful because faith is so tantalizing to God that faith will get people replaced. Faith will actually inspire God to put favor on people that don't necessarily deserve it. I don't know about exactly how you feel about that statement, but if you're like me and you're asking God for some things that you know you don't deserve, if you are looking for some stuff that you can't figure out how it's going to happen, this is a real blessing to you because you realize that you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have faith. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to believe. And I know this makes you want to have all the answers, but is this really all the answers? Do we really know what we're talking about right now? It's incredible how, how totally convinced we can be of something that really is pretty new. Right now, there are battles being fought over stuff that's pretty new. Technology, that's pretty new. Scientific discovery, that's pretty new. Ideas that are very, very young. And we are convinced. I... I I think we have to be careful that we don't lose our ability to believe God simply because our tech looks great. I, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm sorry. I'm just a little nervous. I, I don't know if we work in our faith muscle like we used to have to. There was a time when you had to believe better because you had no choice. Your back was up against the wall and faith was all you had and you found that faith was all you need. But in a world full of options, <laughs> our faith muscle, our fears talk real loud. And we have to dig and find our faith because without faith, it's not just that it's impossible to please God. Without faith, somebody with faith 
can push you out. It is possible to be outdone by somebody that just believe more than you. Not just believe God more than you, but believe in themselves more than you. Believe in the company more than you. Believe in the system more than you. Believe in the... Po yeah, it's absolutely possible for this faith currency to be something that if you're missing it, you can find yourself in real problems. What was so amazing about this faith? I... Uh, when we look at the centurion, what was it that made Jesus take a step back and say, my God, that faith, gee, man, I, ain't, I haven't seen anybody amongst God's people with a faith like that. I've been walking around here in Israel. I've been on this, I've been around here amongst the folk who are supposed to know it. And I, I haven't found anybody who's, who's supposed to have faith with faith like this. And, and y'all better be careful that the folk who aren't supposed to get it don't end up getting it. Oh, I made that point already. What was it that, that was so amazing about that faith? I, I'm glad you asked the question even though I think I posed it. But I, I, let, I, let me answer a question you did not ask. And I think there's two things that are amazing about the faith that were so impressive about the faith. The first thing is that it's faith in the spoken word. The centurion says, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word and it'll happen because I'm somebody with authority. I tell this one, go when he comes. Go. I tell this one, come and he comes. I tell my servant, do this and he does it. That means that I have faith that a word spoken is enough. So uh, the, the, the woman with the issue of blood wants to touch the hem of his garment. Jairus needs Jesus to come to the house. Jesus says, hey, shall I come and heal him? And the servant says, you don't have to come to my house. You don't have to do anything. Just speak it and it will happen. Because I believe that a spoken word is enough. Woo, help us, Jesus. Are, are you, is it settling in? It's that your mouth, my mouth, my God. What comes out your mouth, my God? What you let come out your mouth, Jesus help us. What other folks say, my God, sticks and stones will break your bones, words will never hurt you, it's not true. The words that come out of your mouth, the words that come out of folks' mouth to you, what is spoken has power, please, beloved. Please, if you don't hear nothing else, if you don't leave here with nothing else, just number one, understand that if you, if I, God help me, if I could just control my mouth, where would I be if I could just shut up? Where would I be if I could just line my mouth up with what I'm really believing? It is so easy to believe one thing and speak negative. 
my God. It's just so easy to speak the negative. It's so easy to speak your fears. It's so easy to speak your frustrations. I don't know why everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. Like don't nobody in here got a mouth problem but me. It's so easy to cuss. It's so easy to get mad. I said it's so easy to get mad. I said it's so easy to get mad. It is easy to get angry. It is easy to get defensive. It is easy to get an attitude. It is easy to get upset. It is easy to be like, I don't know who you think you're talking to. It is easy for you to be like, oh, no, you. It is easy for you to assume the worst. That is easy. I said, that is easy. What's hard is for you to be like, it don't matter what you say. It don't matter what you do. The God I serve is able to deliver. And I'm not about to. That's hard. Come on. We can clap in church, but that's hard. When somebody comes to you and says something to you, you want to say something back. Oh, yeah, you can say something. Nah, 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 nah. You want to, ooh. And if you're like me, you lose sleep over what you didn't say. Oh, I need a witness in it. When I was younger, see, before I turned 50, Elder Clock, I used to lose sleep over what I said. I'd go back later and I'd be racked with guilt over what I said. Once I crossed this half century, I started losing sleep over what I should have told them. This is what I should have told. And when I see them the next time, I'm going to tell them, let me tell you something. <laughs> and what I didn't say is what bothers me. My mouth problem hasn't gotten better with age. It's gotten harder. I, need a, I just need a witness in the building. I'm like, well, I'm 55. I ain't got nothing to lose. I might as well tell you what I really think of you. Nobody's scary with their mouth like old people. Y'all don't even know. Old people will tell you. Uh, old people will hurt your feelings. People with gray will hurt your feelings. They about to die. They don't care. They will tell you about yourself. For the centurion to say, I believe words have so much power. I, I, don't, I don't know if we really understand how deep this is. People like Jesus to work a miracle, spit in some dirt, put it on something, come to, come to my house, lay hands on me. But for, for you to say, listen, my servant's over here, speak the word over him over there, and he'll be healed. Woo! That's some faith. That's some faith. To believe in the spoken word so much that you believe there's power in what you say and power in what God says over you, over what anyone else says about you. That's, that's some faith right there. But then... The second thing that I, that I want to focus on, which is I don't want to spend too much time. I'm almost, I, I want to make the point. Is the, the centurion says, see, I don't deserve for you to come to my house. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I've come to a place in which I no longer believe my own hype. I have reached a place in which I have accepted me 
This is what I do well. This is what I don't do well. This is good about me. This is the stuff that's not so good about me. Another thing that gray hair do. This is something about me that's great. This is something about me that see me, love me. This is how I am. And quite honestly, I don't deserve for you to do it. I am done trying to earn it. For all of us that were raised holiness, I was raised holiness. For all of us that were raised holiness, yeah, in a sense, as blessing, as, as much of a blessing as holiness was, the challenge of holiness is that holiness can make you think you deserve it. So that you think you have earned it somehow and you think that somehow now you better than other people because you pray every day or you better than everybody because you don't speak like them because you are you're holy and you're better than somebody else and you can start to almost think that your righteousness is not filthy rags in God's sight and you can lose sight of the fact that the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and you might not have done it but you thought about doing it anyway. You might not have done it but you sure wanted to do it. You imagined doing it. You dreamed about doing it. You didn't do it. And so now, whereas the centurion comes to the understanding, this is, I don't deserve it, faith. I don't deserve it, faith. This, this is a faith that says, I really don't qualify for you to do it, but still do it. Don't do it because I deserve it. Do it because you're God. Do it because you're good. Do it because you have power. Do it because I believe you'll do it in spite of me. It is a faith that overcomes my humanity. Now, for all the humans in the room, you ought to be glad about that. You ought to be glad that it's possible to have a faith that overcomes your humanity. Because live long enough and your humanness will catch up to you. It is a faith that says, I'm no longer going to fight this battle that I can't win. When I would do good, evil is present. Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Even when I do good, evil's right there trying to get me to do evil. And so I, I got to make a separation between the war I have with my flesh and my relationship with God. I got to realize that the God I serve is able to deliver me, and he will. But it, it has nothing to do really with what I do. It's more about my faith in him. And it doesn't mean that my behavior does not have a price. But it means that I understand that the intention of God is favor. But favor is hard to feel. This is what made the centurion so incredible. Is Favor is something, although God's original intention was favor, favor is something that is difficult to be convinced of. Favor is something that 
I, I, I preached last week and I said, yeah, the original teaching of God was favor. And I gave some stuff about the favor of God. And like you, I walked out convinced of the sermon and still struggling with it my own self because for whatever reason, favor from God is hard to feel. It's hard to accept that God, his love not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, when I think, of, when I think about God and favor, there's a part of my humanity that says, yeah, but not you. I just, I need a witness in there just to help me because I'm kind of always looking for the negative anyway and I'm looking at the negative in me. It is easier to accept the anger of God than the favor of God. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. There's just something about us in our human nature. We accept the bad news almost more than the good news, and we just almost gravitate more to the don'ts in the Scripture. If I hold this Bible up, do you know how many promises are in this Bible? Do you know how many wonderful things are said to us? You know how much favor is in this Bible? You know how much favor God showed to humanity versus the actual commandments in the Bible? The what God promised versus what he said not to do. But for some reason, religion becomes about what not to do more than it becomes about walking in a relationship with God. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe it's just me. The Lord says to them, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but this one tree. We're focused on the one tree and the not eating from the one tree instead of looking at the thousands of trees that were created. Thousands of trees were created to eat, and our whole thing is focused on the, on the one tree. Somehow they gravitate to the one tree that they not suppose. What is it about us that like moths to a flame, we are more drawn to the one thing God said not to do than the millions of things God promised to do? Why is the favor so hard to feel? Why do we have divisions in the body over don'ts, not over do's? We're separated by what day to worship on versus what day not to worship on. We're separated by what time. We're. We are separated by specifics and details that have more to do with a don't than a do. What happened? Well, what happened is humanity messed with divinity. And I, I, I just think it's something we all have to come to grips with. We all have to come to grips with the fact that God made us and there's something about us that's trying to mess it up. And it's almost as if we're in here trying to get God to convince, trying to convince God to do something that he already been had decided he was going to do. 
And what he's trying to get us to do is realize that the thing that stops us is us. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. And it's, it's Genesis 4. I'm sorry, but it's Genesis 4. Because what has happened is, as a result of their humanity, they now find themselves working harder than they have to. Adam and Eve fall. They're out the garden. I, beloved, I, 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 I almost... Barely want to say this to you, but there are some theologians who look at the creation story as if it's history, and there are many theologians that look at it as if it is allegorical. Was there an actual person named Adam? The word Adam means man. Was there an actual person named Eve? For me, either view is still applicable. Because it is giving you a glimpse into, and we are on this planet long enough. And if we're honest enough, we can admit this is an excellent depiction of humans and God in interaction. I'm not going to argue with you about whether or not it's actually a real story or not. My question is, is there enough in there to get you high? gonna argue with you over the purity of this cocaine right here I want you to snort it and I want you to see if you'll get high or not not gonna argue with you about whether or not this is a hundred percent I'm not gonna argue with it I want you to melt it down on your spoon right now I want you to tie off and I want you to inject this word I believe that if you inject this word into yourself if you apply this word to your life we can sit around here and argue about it all day long but do the word and see what happened walk with God and see what happened start living it and stop arguing about it I dare you, I double dog dare you, roll it up and smoke it and tell me if it don't make you high. Do I have a witness in the building? Is there anybody that said, oh yeah, PA, I, I decided to stop arguing about it and I just applied it and it took me to a place that I never would have known. I never would have dreamed I'd be here if it wasn't for this word. But if I get back to a thought for the thinkers, and it's all of us in this room, think about it. In essence, what happened is humanity has a tendency to mess with divinity. So God makes this place, puts everybody, puts them in it, male and female. He creates them, gives them all this stuff, and they're drawn them being drawn to trouble ends up making their life harder 
Now we get to the story, they're ejected out the garden. There's an angel that's placed there to keep it from going in. I, my, my point is, is if you look at it, it's just truth anyhow. Whether you believe the facts of it or not, it's truth. The truth is the farther you get away from a relationship with God, the harder things get. Can I please get a witness in this building? No, I need a witness at least in the building. Somebody watching around the world, but I need a witness in the building. You strayed, and it didn't do nothing but make stuff worse. I need a witness. I need a witness. You decided you were going to exercise your freedom, and yeah, you had some fun, but there was a price to pay. They told you what to do in church, and you were like, I ain't doing that, and you went and did your old thing. How'd that work for you? How'd that work for you? Now you back. Come to Jesus. Lord, can you heal this? Lord, can you get me back on the track of what you originally wanted me to get on? Because I realized that I never should have been tempted to eat of the thing that I had no business eating of. I gained a knowledge. I didn't know till I knew. Somebody said, try this. I did not know till I tried it. Once I tried it, now I got to fight it. Oh, I wish I had a one. I didn't even know. I didn't even have to fight it till I tried it. Once I tried it, now I got to fight it. And it applies to all kinds of things. I can make it something trivial like when the hot sign is on at Krispy Kremes. Because when that hot sign is on at Krispy Kremes, it's an anointing on that hot sign. It calls you and you find yourself in the drive-thru. And them things melt in your mouth like Jesusness, And you... Like I said, I was in this church fussing about that Popeye's chicken sandwich. I was so mad about that Popeye's chicken sandwich. I'm trying to build a building around here. Hey, y'all out here eating chicken sandwiches. And I was, every offering I took up, I mentioned that Popeye's chicken sandwich until I tried it. I was in the drive-thru. I ordered a spicy one. I bit it, drove around the building, got back in line. Now, I'm trying to avoid the Popeyes. No, I, I need a witness. I'm trying to, I think about it at night. I be dreaming about it, the heat on my tongue. I'm like, I, Popeyes, I got to rebuke. That's, and that's a trivial thing. There's a whole lot of us in here rebuking a whole lot of stuff that ain't no Popeyes chicken. What I'm saying is, is there's something about our humanity that is drawn to wrong. Can we please be honest? Can we stop fronting and faking? Can we let the world know, oh, no, we, we get it. We like you. We also like stuff. We're not so holy, we don't like sugar. We're not so holy, we don't like salt. We're not so holy. Yes, and so now I realize that my humanity 
messes with divinity. And now they find themselves working harder than they're supposed to. So now Abel is keeping flocks. Cain is working the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brings fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel brings an offering to the Lord, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looks with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain is angry and his face is downcast. And so we, we realize that one of the ways that favor is felt is through a sacrifice accepted. Sacrifice accepted is a way to feel the favor. If I want to feel the favor... I know that we just want to feel favor just with results. And we want doors to be open and we want things to happen. I got you. Me too. But I also realize that one of the ways that I feel the favor of God is sacrifice. Matter of fact, Christianity is based on the fact that Jesus was given as a sacrifice for us. That's favor. The Lord is saying, let me show you how much favor I have for you. I'll send my son to die for you to cover your sins because your sin is keeping you from me. Your sin is just making things harder. It's just making things more difficult. And it's painful for me to sit here and watch you struggling with that sin. Let me give you something that will cover your sin. Let me give you something that will wash that away. Let me show you how much my favor really is for you. I'm going to send my only son to die for you so that you can be free from the condemnation of sin. So now you realize that sacrifice is one of the ways that favor is felt. Right now, if you are in a situation with anyone who shows you favor, the real way for them to show you favor is with a little bit of pain on their part. I would contend somebody don't really love you if it don't cost them nothing. Part of the way you know there's favor is that I sacrifice. So the sacrifice I make for you makes you be like, wow, you really, really care about me. Wow, you really went the extra mile for me. I actually sense your favor through the price you paid. I actually realize what you did for us through the sacrifice of your life. You gave and now I have this. Wow, that's favor. In the same way, beloved, a part of the way that you are confident in the favor of God is that your sacrifice is accepted. Amen. 
So Abel offers God a sacrifice, and God looks at that with favor. Now, Cain is mad because favor is hard to feel, especially after y'all done messed up. I would contend that favor is even harder to feel after you messed up. So now here they are on the outside trying to feel the favor of God and Abel does something and God shows him favor as a result of the sacrifice. Cain rolls up and says, how'd you get that favor on your sacrifice? And, it, and Cain is mad at Abel because Abel's sacrifice has favor and Cain's does not. Now, we could talk a lot about Cain and Abel, but at least Cain had the ability to acknowledge if there was favor on something or not. At least Cain was able to recognize favor. <laughs> One of the saddest things is when people cannot recognize that there's no favor on a thing. And there's no favor on a thing because of something that they did. Instead of us just blaming God or just blaming the devil, it's absolutely possible that if you are not feeling the favor the way that you should, it's because your sacrifice is less than acceptable. Well, I need a witness in the building. I'm not just talking about church. I'm not just talking about kingdom. I'm talking about period. If you're wondering, where is the favor with my man? Where is the favor with my wife? Where is the favor with my friend? Where is the favor on my job? Where is the favor? I'm trying to feel the favor. Perhaps the issue is not them. The issue is not him. The issue is not her. The issue is not them. Maybe, just maybe, the issue is you. Maybe your sacrifice is less than acceptable. Maybe what you think is enough ain't enough. Maybe they were looking for another level of sacrifice from you. Maybe there was a fat portion they were looking for and your attitude of well that's all they're going to get is not enough to get favor and the scary thing about Cain beloved is <laughs> and I don't know exactly who you can identify with in this situation but the thing about Cain is he's so human instead of Fixing his own self, he gets mad at the person who actually has favor. Instead, and God shows up and says, now what's your problem? What's going on with your face? 
What's your attitude about? Why is your face downcast? What are you angry about? If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. I speak that over everybody in the room. You don't have to ever wonder if you'll be accepted if you do right, if you do what was supposed to be done in the sacrifice. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. What's the sin? See, we, we just, we just sin. Like, it's just, what do we, we got to take it into context. What's the sin? The sin is that you refuse to change your sacrifice. The sin is that you're mad at others for being accepted where you are not because they are bleeding at a level you ain't bleeding at. That's the sin. Sin desires to have you. It's crouching at your door. You got to master it. In other words, it's up to you. It's up to you. And we realize that this sacrifice thing is something we got to get right. I know it's going to get quiet in here because we want, we want to talk about everything, but if somebody starts talking about sacrifice, they might as well be cussing because the word sacrifice is almost a swear word today because we want everything free. We want everything without any cost. We want everything without any kind of price. We want everything without understanding reciprocity. Reciprocity is if I don't give back to it, it runs out. And so I got to see if you're all in. Because if I'm not all in, I'll never believe God's all in. When I was a kid, I think I've told the story, but it's been a long, long time. When I was a kid, we didn't go to McDonald's all the time. Going to McDonald's was special. You didn't just do it all the time. It was a special thing to go to McDonald's. There wasn't a Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's. That was special. When we got to McDonald's, there was a dollar amount we were allowed to spend on ourselves at McDonald's. Okay? You had to decide what you were going to spend your dollar on. Your $2, your $3. I wanted the biggest sandwich I could get. But of course, everybody wants fries. I had a younger brother. I had a lot of them. But I had this one particularly younger brother. He's pretty smart now. But at the time, he wasn't that bright. <laughs> so I would say to him, hey, listen, man. Why don't you get a large fry and a small sandwich, and I'll get a big sandwich and a small fry, and we'll mix our fries together. <laughs> Think of all the fries we'll have if you get a large fry and I get a small fry. And he'd be like, that's a good idea. And he would get the big fry, and, a, and I'd get the small fry, and we'd put our fries together, and oh, the fries I had. If you could ever 
put your little fries in with God's fries. It's, it's kind of funny. God's got all of this, and you got barely enough, and it's hard for you to give a piece to the bigger thing. It, in a sense, sacrifice is one of the ways that favor is felt. And, I, and, and what God wants is fat portions. He wants fat portions. Fat parts of the meat is the good part. That's the good part because the fat is the flavor. The lead part, nobody wanted to You want the fat. You want the, you want the ribeye with the marble in and the bone in and the, and the fat on the, that's what you want. The fat part is the good part. God don't want the leftovers. God wants the fat part. He wants the part that's hard to give. It's a sign that you're in. We see it all the time. We just, the bank will give you a loan for 300000 but they want you to put a percentage in because they're not going to give you all of it. They want you to put a piece in to prove to them that you're in. They'll say, yeah, and you give 5%, 10%, 15%, 20% because we're not going to give you something that costs you nothing. And that 20 is hard to give. Let me give you the portions he wants, because I'm I'm and I'm done. I, I still got you. I know I've been talking and we're thinking. Let me give you the portions that he wants. These are the fat portions, okay? This is the fat that God wants. So what does God require? Here's the fat. These are the fat portions that God wants for you to feel the favor. You don't have to do it, but it's hard to feel favor without it. You live a life in which you're always kind of wondering if the favor of God is on you because you don't sacrifice anything. Sacrifice makes you feel the favor of God. Okay? Here's the fat portions. Number one is your tongue. They're all teased because I'm a preacher. Number one is your tongue. What you say, that's a sacrifice. Your tongue, that's a sacrifice. Number two is your time. Your time is a sacrifice. It can't just be convenient. Can't just be convenient. You will have to sacrifice some time. Your tongue is a fat portion sacrifice. Your time is a fat portion sacrifice because your time is something you can't get back. These two hours you spend in here with us and me, you can't get these two hours back. These two hours you watched, if you watched for two hours, you can't get these two hours back. It's a sacrifice of your time. And I don't know if you ever really chart what you spend your time doing. But it's a fat portion that you offer to a lot of gods besides Jehovah. 
because you offer your time to Netflix, God. You offer it to Hulu and, and HBO Max and your job and your money and your boo thing and your partying. There's a lot of gods that you sacrifice your tongue and your time to. Number three, your talent. Your gifting, your ability, the strength you have in your body while you got it. That's a fat portion sacrifice. What you going to do with your youth? That's a sacrifice. Number four, your tithe. We knew it was coming, P.A., tithe, which is the tenth. It is not just the tenth of what you earn. It's the tenth of your life. Tithe belongs to God, not just because it belongs to God and not because God needs it, but because you don't feel him if you don't have it. And then number five is your truth. Truth is a fat portion. What you actually count as truth. And right now, there is a battle for truth. There is a war for what you will accept as true. And there is a part of us that is being pulled on by whether it's the devil or the world or the system or whatever. To believe something that is counter to God's truth. And for you to say, well, I'm going to seek God's face. And ask him his will. That is a sacrifice. It's a fat portion. But, beloved... Sacrifice is one of the ways that the favor of God is felt. And the greatest sacrifice is you. It's really you that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That you have submitted your life to him. You have surrendered yourself to him. And you start to say, I belong to God. I am his and he is mine. I belong to him. And I'll do what he wants me to do. And I'll say what he wants me to say. And I'll go where he wants me to go. And I'll be how he wants me to be. And I'm done being the king of my own life. And I'm willing to surrender the reins of my life, the truth of my life, into his hands. I've been at the wheel myself. Don't go good. I want his will to be done in my life. What is his will for you? Not just what is your will for you. What is his will for you? Are you where he wants you to be? 
Is this his plan for you or is this your plan for you? God, help us. What is his will for your life? It's a fat portion. And the Lord is not going to take less. I want everybody to bow your head close your eyes. Let me just pray for you. Lord, I pray. Right now. That we would offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. That we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we would be able to test and approve what your perfect will is. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. Thank you for moving by your spirit over us, over our circumstance giving us another chance we surrender we want to be in the center of your will we sense you we want to walk with you we, we've strayed and we have discovered wasn't the right thing to do we surrender we want to know you more so take our hearts and mold it take our minds and conform them. Take our will and transform our will to yours. The greatest sacrifice is the sacrifice of us. We lay our agendas down. Lord, in the room and everyone around the world, Lord, Lord I could do an altar call, but it's, it's an altar call for every one of us. We lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. We lay aside our agendas. We surrender. We know that you have a will for us. It's not to harm us. It's to give us hope in a future. So we trust you. We trust you. Tis so sweet to trust you. Tis so sweet to trust you. We trust you. We're done. We're done. We surrender. From the front to the back, from the least to the greatest, from the pulpit to the back of the door in the houses that are watching, God, we surrender. We want to be used by you. We know that if you can use us, you will bless us. And so we surrender. Have your way in us. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. If you heard a word, can you put your hands together? <clears throat> Before you go, can I take a second offering? I want to take a second offering really quickly. Ushers, come help me. Gatekeepers, come help me. I want you to give a sacrifice to the Lord today. We are, we are still buying this. We, we own the land. We are still about to build this building. We're about to break ground. And I've not taken second offerings for a while. And just to kind of let us, okay, let's marinate. But I want you to donate towards Victory Park. And I, I said something in the prayer just a second ago that is the truth. And that is... That God will bless you if he can trust you. I said God will bless you if he can trust you. 
The Lord isn't going to just bless you just to bless you. He blesses you to be a blessing. A part of the reason why the Lord will bless you exponentially is to fund his work. So if you need an offering envelope, you can see raise your hand, or you can take a picture of that QR code, and you can give towards Victory Park. Let me tell you what we're about to do. We're about to build a building over 100,000 square feet. We're going to have a sanctuary in it that's around this size, about 2,000. We're going to have a killer lobby. We're going to have a great children's ministry. But to be honest, beloved, that's only about maybe 30, maybe 40,000 square feet of that space. And we don't really have to do what we do here. We don't really have to build 100,000 square feet. The reason why we're building 100,000 square feet is because the other 60 of the, of the building is going to be something that we're going to use to minister to the area significantly. It's going to be courts and counseling center and, and it, it's going to be a light in the darkness. It is going to be a place that does generate its own income because I think it doesn't make a lot of sense to build a building that generates 30 days of cost and you pay for it four times, four days. That doesn't make sense to me. So there will be ways in which it will generate its own income, but also it will be something that we will use to change lives. So that not only are the people of God's lives impacted, but the area's lives are impacted. And young men and young women and the, the impact of what we're going to do is going to be significant. We're not just building a church, beloved. We're not just building a church. We are building something that is an example of our commitment to the community. And we are going to do significant community work there. It's, it's really not that big a leap. Even for us to leave today and my sister's closet's happening in the main lobby, going to let you go. And everything that you buy or purchase from there will go to support Projects of Hope, the work we're doing in Kenya. But, beloved, we are determined to show the love of Christ. To be used by God, not just blessed by Him. Amen? To be used by Him, not just blessed by Him. To actually stand and take our place. To recognize that we got to help us. It's time for us to help us. Time for us to be the hands of God. And so... Everything you give in this offering is going to go to Victory Park. And you, when you take that picture, that QR code, you can, you can go there. You can make a pledge. And you can donate toward the park. And we're about to go. We're looking at breaking ground. And we need you to help us. And we need you to give. Amen? Bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we have to give to the work of your kingdom. Thank you. That sacrifice and giving is a way we sense the favor of God. But also, Lord, we want to be used by you. We want to walk according to your will. From this room and from every room that's watching around the world, God, I pray that we would be faithful in all of your house. Thank you for living so big in us right now. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes, just jump on your feet and 
So many awesome things are happening this week, and you can always check on the bulletin and take a look at the stuff that's happening with us. Great stuff happening in September as we close out the year. As you're leaving today, ladies and gentlemen, my sister's closet's there. You can go by there and grab something. Guys can shop, too. They can get something for their woman. They know. And uh, everything that you purchase will go towards, towards uh, Projects of Hope and towards this Kenya trip that's about to happen. If you can just not leave just for a second, just stand to your feet. I know you want to bounce, but just let the uh, let the arm let the gatekeepers just take up the offering quickly, please. Just for security's sake. You can go ahead and stand to your feet. I know many of you gave online. You watched around the world, you gave online. Anybody hear a word from the Lord today? Anybody challenged? Challenged. I want to believe God. I want a faith that's amazing to God. I want a faith that overcomes my humanity. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all the days of our lives. Thank you. Thank you for speaking so big in us. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. Thank you for using us for your glory. Now dismiss us, those of us that are in the room, for those that are watching around the world. Lord, we turn our lives over into your hands. As we travel this week, as we work this week, God, make something happen for us. Open doors for us. Make a way where there seems to be no way. And we bless you, and we praise you, and we honor you for what you're going to do. And God, as we always pray, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. For God, you're our rock, you're our redeemer. We really do love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. You are Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.